Open your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. An absolute honor to be able to speak today on this wonderful, wonderful occasion. 38 years, and I, I thank the other pastoral staff members entrusting me with this and our pastors for entrusting me with it as well. So Hebrews 13, 17, I'm going to read first from the NIV, and then I've asked that right after that it be put up with the Passion Translation. Verse 17 of Hebrews 13 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Brody, do you already have that with the Passion Translation up there? Obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority, for they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will, be, so it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. Father, we come in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this day, for your anointing that is already evident here in this house today. Father, I declare your anointing and presence upon the declaration of this word. I thank you, Lord, that's not coming out of just a gift or a calling, but it's coming out of your anointing out of thus saith the Lord. So may you anoint it and bless it to everyone who hears it and to their lives as we become obedient to your word and giving you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. To submit to our pastor's authority, yeah, there are times that our pastors need to speak to us and make correction in our life, and that is a part of what this scripture is talking about. But I believe it goes much deeper than that, and I, I know what one of the things that it's saying is to submit to his, her authority is when they make a declaration of the Word of God, and we sit here Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, and we hear it, that we are to submit to that Word. You know, God's Word always takes precedent over any human on this earth. Can you say amen? And so when we are honoring and submitting to that authority, we are honoring and submitting to the word of God in our lives and the word that our pastor is declaring to our ears. I've, I've shared some of this with you so many times before, but this year Sharon and I are going to be blessed to have been on staff here for 22 years. And I was a senior pastor for 20 years before coming on staff, a blessed to be able to do that. So 42 years in pastoral ministry. But several times over the last 22 years, Pastor Sawyer has come to me with this question. He's asked me if I was being fulfilled in my calling here at Calvary. He's asked me was are you happy in being here on staff doing what you're doing? Well, first I want to ask Pastor and Phyllis if they would please stand. If you would just stand. I'm sorry. I know you've been up and down a lot. 
First of all, I want you to make no mistake whatsoever. I am here because God ordained, he laid it upon pastor's heart to call me and ask me if I would leave a position and come here. But I'm here by his calling, by his ordination. Make no mistake about that whatsoever, all right? But I want you to also understand that over the last 22 years, yes, I have been fulfilled. Yes, Sharon and I are happy. We have been happy. And it's been because of these two people standing in front of me and in front of you. Amen. I know she'll probably get me after this, but see, something that a lot of people don't know, before Sharon and I ever came on staff, and Sharon was going to Birmingham once a week, uh, getting another master's degree, Phyllis found out about it. We were not on staff. We were pastoring another church, but we had become friends. Phyllis, on every Monday, would make sure that there was a meal prepared for our family because Sharon had to drive to Birmingham and get home about 10 o'clock. And if she couldn't cook it, which she did the lion's share of it, she always made sure somebody else was. That's the kind of pastor's that we are blessed to have. Amen. I honor you guys. Thank you so very much. So as I began to pray about today, and I, I began several weeks ago when uh, I was asked if I, I would do the message again today, and I have been given a wonderful, wonderful honor to declare blessings over my pastors, over our pastors, to give them appreciation today. But I began to ask God to show me what would be the best way for us to give honor and appreciation to our pastors. And so I began to think about the fact that, and it's already been spoken this weekend, matter of fact, I think it was even spoken last night as we were out having our evening meal with them, that they are the father and mother of this house. Amen. I've never done this publicly, but dad, mom, <laughs> you know what, after that I'll probably never get a chance to do it again publicly. <laughs> yeah, I am the old man on staff, okay? But they are the father and the mother of this house. They are the father and mother spiritually of so many people. I would dare say of every one of us here. And then there's also others that God has called and placed them in works in other places all around the world. And so I began to ask the Lord, all right, what, what does our children do to really show us honor? And I, I began to hear in my spirit that it is more by who they are than by what they do when we are honored by our children. It's more than just the job that they have. Now understand, I am more ready and willing and happy and glad when someone's talking to me about Josh and Maria to tell them where they work, what kind of job that they have, and I'm blessed to be able to do that. But what really blesses me, and I know this really blesses our pastors, Pastor and Phyllis, they're blessed when they see you doing 
things in the church and around the church for Calvary, but what really blesses them is when someone comes up to them and they begin to tell them what kind of person you are at home. They begin to tell them what kind of person you are at work what kind of person you are when you're at your child's ball game, what kind of person you are uh, in your neighborhood, what kind of neighbor you are. It becomes evident to them then that you have heard the word and you've begun to apply the word to your life. You're beginning to allow the Holy Spirit to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. That is the reason he declares week after week. It's for salvations, but once you are born again, once you have become a new creature, it's so that you may be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so our pastors are blessed when we listen to that word and then we apply it to our life and we go out and live the word outside these four walls. I know he appreciates the amens and the claps. But you know what? That's one of the easiest things to do. To go out those doors and live it. That's what we're called to do. That's what he's challenging us to do week after week after week. And so pastor began last Sunday telling us how God wants to be a resident God. And I knew what God was already speaking to my heart about and when I heard what he was going to be speaking on, I'll be honest, I said, now God, don't let him say some of those things you've already put on my heart to say about a resident God, about a dwelling and a habitation. And we laugh and thank you for laughing because it just shows how the Holy Spirit works and how he designs things and I thank God for that. A resident God, Pastor, began to talk to us about who wants to live big in us, who wants to dwell in us, who wants to make a habitation in us. He made a statement last week so profound. He said, God living inside of us is better than Jesus just walking beside us. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You know, I walk alongside many of you, but I've got a special lady in my life that I dwell with her. I reside with her. She's a part of me, and I'm a part of her. As a matter of fact, we are one in Jesus Christ, and God wants to come live inside of us and become one more than just walking beside us. Hallelujah. If you love God, you will obey God. For obedience is better than sacrifice. No way would I ever attempt to say that when he speaks, he's God. But I want you to hear my words. When he speaks, he is making a declaration of God's heart and God's word. And so if we're wanting to be obedient to God, we become obedient to what our pastor teaches us on Sunday. Now again, we don't put him on a pedestal. We don't rise him above Jesus Christ because no one is above God. 
our Father, our Savior, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. But God has chosen that the Word should be declared through men and women. God has chosen that by His Holy Spirit, He would put a Word in somebody's heart and anoint it so that it could be declared, so that people's lives would be changed, so that people's lives would be transformed. And so if we want to be obedient to God, when that Word is declared on Sundays, we receive it into our life. We allow it to transform us. And once again, we go out there and we live what God has told us through our pastor. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Some of you may be sitting there saying, yeah, but Pastor Tony, I've tried. I've really tried to do those things that Pastor has talked to us about, but I've failed. Pastor Tony, because of those failures, I am concerned that God no longer wants me. You feel as though you've made too many mistakes, that there's no place for you in the kingdom of God. There's no place for you in the plan of God. Even though you hear it week after week, and week after week, that conviction is in your heart, but the enemy continues to lie to you and tell you, you've made too many mistakes. You've disappointed God too many times. Well, I want to tell you something. You may have made some mistakes in your life, but you are not a mistake. There's a huge difference in making a mistake and being a mistake. And God has not created a mistake in you. God created a new creature. God created someone who has the spirit of the living God living down with inside of them. And just because there's been a mistake made, God does not disqualify you. As a matter of fact, the greater the mistake, the greater the grace. We don't have this on the screen, but just listen. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 14 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And I love this verse 14. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. And one translation says, lifts up all who are bowed down with shame. There are some of you, you even came in here this morning and you've made mistakes this week and you've been bowed down, bent over with shame. But I'm here to tell you that God, by the power and anointing of His Holy Spirit, He's reaching down and He's wanting to lift you up. He's wanting you to know that His gifts and calling in your life is without repentance and what He has declared in your life, He's still willing and desiring to accomplish. So shake that off. Ask God to forgive you move on in Jesus Christ because you are not a mistake dear Lord have I made mistakes and no it's none of your business but I thank God for his grace because his grace gives me what I don't deserve. But you know what else I thank God? There's something that always goes along with grace. It's called mercy. Grace gives me what I don't deserve, 
but mercy holds back what I do deserve. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've never prayed, God, could you just show me what you've held back? I, I don't want to know. No. You ever been watching one of those movies and you knew what was coming so you had to do this? That's the way I am with what his mercy has held back. I don't, I don't want to see it. I don't want to know it. I just want to say, thank God I didn't experience it. Hallelujah. His grace gives me what I do not deserve, but his mercy holds back what I do deserve. God says, I like you. God says, I love you. God says, I am for you. And I want you to think about something for a moment. Now, don't go crazy with this because I know that God really did not want Adam to sin. That was not in God's plans. We would have preferred that Adam had not sinned in the garden. But I want you to think about this for a moment. Had Adam never, dis or Adam would have never discovered the grace of God without that horrible, horrendous mistake that he made in the garden. But because he made that mistake, God was still merciful. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They went completely against what God said, but it said that God still came looking for them. I want you to know today that regardless of what you have done, regardless of what mistake you have made in your life, God still is here looking for you. He's still calling your name out. He still wants to be a part of your life. Hallelujah. God is looking for a dwelling place. God is looking for a habitation. We need to become obedient to what our pastors are telling us by the direction and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit and become that dwelling, become that habitation for God's presence. Two more scriptures. I'm going to ask you with whatever translation you have, to turn to John 4, 21 through 24. Oh, forgive me. Let me get mine out here. John 4, verses 21 through 24. I've asked again, this will be the Passion Translation on the screen. John 4, beginning at 21 through 24. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, and he said, Believe me, dear woman. The time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your heart. You see, this is not God's dwelling place. Oh, now when we fill it with praise, his presence is here. I understand that, okay? But this is where he wants his dwelling place to be. My dear woman, there's coming a time when you're going to worship the Lord. You're going to experience Him. He, he wants His dwelling place to be in your heart. He doesn't want His dwelling place to be in Jerusalem. He doesn't want His dwelling place to be on some mountain. But He wants to be with you personally. He wants to be involved with you 24-7. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience. 
for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. All right, now if you would go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2, and beginning at verse 19. Once again, I'm reading from the Passion Bible. Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 19. So you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the holy ones, with all the rights as family members of the household of God. You are rising like the perfectly fitted stones of the temple, and your lives are being built up together upon the ideal foundation laid by the apostles and prophets and best of all, you are connected to the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ himself. This entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies Oh, dear God, his dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. There was a time when humanity could only go into the Holy of Holies one time a year. But we're hearing the heart of God that I am being prepared. You are being prepared as a holy of holies so that God is living inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, give God praise. Give God praise. Jesus, Jesus. Developing a dwelling place, a habitation, Oh, Jesus, now I can't even see my notes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Spirit of Emilio got on me just then, all right? I love you. You know I love you. As I was saying, developing a dwelling place, a habitation, we need to develop his presence. Notice I did not say we need to look for his presence. I said we need to develop his presence in us. In the courting or dating relationship, see, I, I, I'm old enough, I still remember when we courted. I was 14, Sharon was 15. My mother had to drive me to her house. I didn't even have a learner's permit, I was so young. Yeah, she robbed the cradle, guys, I'm telling you. Does anybody have an extra place at the dinner table today? Because I know she's watching, I know she is. My mother would take me over there 
And Sharon and I would sit in her parents' living room every Sunday afternoon. And we would sit and we would talk. We would talk and we would sit. Yeah, and I'd get some sugar every now and then too, okay? I know you were thinking about it. I know you were. Get your carnal minds back on track. But here's what I've learned about the courting and the dating relationship. When you're courting or dating someone, what you're doing is you're looking for that one that could be that lifelong companion. And then when you find the right one, you move from the courting and the dating stage, and there comes the covenant marriage, the dwelling, the abiding, the habitation. But here's the problem with the relationships today. You find someone, you enter into that covenant marriage, you enter into that dwelling relationship, and then something happens that you don't particularly like, and then you keep on looking. Still looking for that good time. Let me tell you something. From the age of 14 to 18, Sharon and I had a good time dating. But when we got married, it's been a great time on top of a great time on top of a great time on top of a great time. Oh, have we had some ups and downs? You better believe it. Just recently, we had one of those situations. I just want to be transparent. Where Sharon and I, we had to sit and we had to talk to one another. We had to cry with one another. We were both emotionally and physically spent. And there, there were some words that crossed our lips to one another that we would have never spoken otherwise. But as soon as that happened, we sat down because you know what? We're in a dwelling with one another. We're in a residence with one another. We're in a habitation with one another. I'm not looking for anybody else. She's not looking for anybody else. Just because we had a little problem, we sat down and we worked it out. And hallelujah, we're still habitating together and it's stronger than ever before. And I'm here to tell you now, you can't just date God. God's not just looking for a courting experience. God is looking for someone who says, I want to habitate with you. I want to dwell with you. I want your presence in my life. Hallelujah. That's who God is looking for. That's what God wants in his relationship with you. You need an abiding relationship. How many of you like Sharon and I, and Sharon really has made me enjoy this, enjoy seeing the different kinds of birds that come into the yard all year long. We do. We enjoy that. Well, let me tell you how to get them to come to your house and stay. You know, I noticed that they would come and go. They were looking. They were see just trying to see if there was anything there. They were looking. But I'm going to tell you how to get them to come and stay. Build them a house and feed them. 
They will, they will come because you have prepared a place for them. We had, we had never seen a bluebird at our house. Sharon desired for a bluebirds to be there. We now have eight feeding stations in our backyard. We have redbirds. We have red-headed woodpeckers. We have sapsuckers. We have yellow finches. We have purple finches. We have uh, Carolina wrens. Lord, I know I'm leaving some out. And guess we have six bluebirds that come regularly every day into our backyard. You know why? Because Sharon created a habitat. She created a habitation for them in our backyard. I'm telling you something. It's one thing to come into a service and say, "Woo, God's presence was there. And then you go back out. But it's something else when you are walking to and fro, work from work to home to school, and the presence of God is right here in your life. And you know why his presence is here? Because you've taken the time to build a habitation. You've taken a time to build a dwelling place for God. Hallelujah. God is looking for a place that he can reside in. He's a resident God. He's looking for a place where he can dwell. He's looking for someone who says, I'm not just looking for a good time. I'm not just looking for the thrill of an experience, but I'm looking for the presence of God to be in my life 24-7, and God is there. That's what he's wanting. So you build in that house. And you know what his food is? Praise and worship. Praise and worship. The food that we're to give God is our worship and our praise. Praise. And sometimes you have to make up your own song. Oh, hold on. There are some times, yeah, it gets hard. But who doesn't have a life that gets hard? You come up to me and say, Pastor Tony, I don't ever have a hard time. I'm throwing a hand on your head and casting that lying demon out of you. It's hard. But man, when you get alone with God, I love you, Lord. I give you praise this day, my mighty God. I exalt your holy name, hallelujah. I exalt and worship you, Lord. I praise you, almighty God. Now, here's the thing. You've been sitting there thinking, whoo, Pastor Tony, I don't think I'd have done that if I'd been you. But you know what I just heard from God? Oh, my son, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. I don't care what I sound like. 
But when I began to give food to my God because I prepared a dwelling for him and I began to give him worship and I began to give him praise, my God says, oh, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you don't worry what you sound like. You just give him the worship. You just give him the praise because he's a resident God in your life. Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. Oh, hallelujah. I'll tell it quick. Just because the enemy attacks doesn't mean you always have to go on the defensive. See, I, I used to think that's what you did. He would attack. I rebuke you. And one day I realized he was over in the corner saying, yeah, come on, rebuke me some more. Rebuke me some more. You know why? Because my focus, my focus, my focus had been taken off of Jesus. And my focus had been put on my problem and the one who made the problem. Oh, dear God. Psalm 68 and verse 1 says that God will arise and his enemies will be scattered because the book of Psalm tells us that God inhabits the praise of his people. So when I keep my focus upon the God who is residing in me, when I keep my focus upon Jesus, the one that I've made a dwelling place for, and hard time comes and I begin to give him praise, I begin to give him worship, hallelujah, he arises and the enemy says, I can't stay here any longer. I've not had to go on the defense. God, his presence has gone on the defense for me and he has routed the enemy out of my life. Now give God praise. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Yes, give him praise. Stay, stay standing. My time's over. Guys, I said it a moment ago, you need his presence in your life. I've known this couple. I guess April or May will be 29 years. Because we really, we met you guys before Sharon and Josh actually was able to move out. Matter of fact, I saw the pictures a while ago, the steel structure. When we moved here, that's the way Calvary looked on the Beltline. But I've known this couple almost 29 years. I started to say they never change, but yeah, they do. You know how they change? They're more like Jesus now than they were when I met them 29 years ago. And boy, they were like Jesus then. There's a presence about this couple. And the presence is not George and Phyllis Sawyer. As a matter of fact, if you honor George and Phyllis Sawyer, they're going to be embarrassed. But the presence is God, is Jesus Holy Spirit. That's what God is looking for, though, in every single one of us. 
See, it's not enough to agree with me and say, whoa, my pastor has the presence of God. I just need to get in their presence. Oh, you'll be blessed in their presence. But they're going to go to their home and you're going to go to your home. So whose presence are you going to take with them? You can't take their presence. You need to take the presence of the one in them. I'm convinced by the Holy Spirit that one of the greatest ways we can honor and appreciate our pastors is to make a dwelling place for God allow his presence to come live right here in us and then everywhere we go everywhere people come back and they tell our pastors I met someone from your church wow and God's presence was all in their life you want to talk about someone feeling great you want to talk about a parent who will swell with First of all, I have Jesus as my Savior. I have God who is for me every day and He's not against me. I have the Holy Spirit working in my life, keeping me on the right track. And I'm blessed because He's brought pastors into my life who will speak and declare the Word. And I can grab onto that Word and say, yeah, that's, that's what God is saying. And then apply it to this dwelling place of God in my life. But guys, it all starts with salvation. Every eye closed. If I could have our altar workers and our pastoral staff, if you could come to the front, please. You're here today and you say, Pastor Tony, I want to become that dwelling place. I want the presence of God in my life. Well, it starts with salvation. Salvation simply starts by you believing in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and He came for you and then you confess Him with your mouth that He is your Lord and Savior. It's not hard, but you must do that. And that's where it starts.